Welcome to the Addiction Connection. We like to believe the opposite of addiction is actually connection, and we are going to attempt to educate you and possibly even entertain you while we navigate all topics addiction. Hi, I'm Dr. Kirk Devine. And I'm Dr. Heather Bell, and we both provide primary care and addiction services. It's our goal to help you learn more about the disease of addiction and its treatments. Okay, welcome back. We're just a little late. This will get put up a little late. It's just a little late. But everything is on, you know, Spotify and all the podcast things. So people hopefully follow us there and get alerts. We are on a new platform now. We are on a new platform. Ars Longa Media Productions. Look at that. Yes, our friend. A-L-M. Our friend Patrick. (laughs) Dr. Beeman. Correct. There you go. We'll talk more. So if these start sounding funny as we go, just bear with us. We're... We're in transition, and we will have lots of new fun things coming up, though. I think so. I think the podcast is... Evolving. It's going to go viral. Yeah, yeah, well, viral, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Maybe not. And the best part, even though this is my kid's favorite part, is that whole intro thing they just, y'all just got to listen to, that's very, like, professional and all of that. It took us 100 takes to tape it. We laughed a lot. You um, when we you might that. notice some changes in that. Yeah, we're going to play around with it a little bit, and there's going to be just a lot of fun. Just a lot of fun. So today, today. not to get too far off track, we're going to talk <laughs> a little bit about opioids and uh, kind of a, in relation to suicide risk. And and actually, this I, I had been planning on doing this uh, podcast for a while and turning it into a echo presentation, but... I read this book. Kurt um, read a book. Well, no, you're not even halfway through. No, I'm through. Oh, you did. This is the first book that is not medical that I've read in a decade. Well, what a, you read Dreamland. Almost. I'm two-thirds of the way through. <laughs> yeah, this was by Juliet Patterson. It was, it was called Sinkhole. And it was a sad, it's a, kind of a sad thing where she talks about both her father and both grandparents, grandfathers, uh, committed suicide. And it was a lot of soul searching and looking into things. And it got, and one of them had an alcohol use disorder. Hmm. And it was, and it kind of made me think, I got to get this, this uh, little talk done. So can I just point something out? Yes. You know, we have one episode left of sugar. We've done what four of them now. Those are the kind of topics I find, and you bring us suicide. Yeah, and you know, it. This is just one of those things that's so important to it is be aware definitely, of, definitely. You know? Especially when we're, and I think we're doing it in context of opioids and not other substance use, uh, at least this time, although I have <laughs> something else going with other substance use that I've been digging into. So another 500 part series. Yeah. Especially since, you know, the book kind of dealt a little with alcohol. So, um, so yeah, I, I think this is really interesting. And I think that the problem is that the rates of unintentional overdose and suicide have climbed the last two decades. They just keep going up. I would say if you would have said the last two years with COVID, that would have been harder to, but you said decades. Two decades, not two, two. years. And I think that prompts me to give you a question, Uh-oh. Dr. Bell. If you were to guess the leading <laughs> cause of death in those under the age of 40, and of course, <laughs> you're just barely under there. Um, I don't know what you're talking would, about. Would you pick A, heart disease, B, suicide, or C, overdose? This is where we need a button that has the Jeopardy music. Mm. So what Kurt's trying to do right now is, again, demonstrate his age and his attempt to show authority over me by trying to pimp me. Like, you know, 
you know, medical, you know, supervisors do over students and residents. So we'll kind of let y'all learn the answer to that question as we go, because I actually know it and have it right in front of me. So I'd be yeah cheating. So. And it's interesting. So, so people in the audience, it, it's very interesting that the leading cause of death is actually first is overdose and second is suicide under the age of 40. And, and I think that often we don't think of that as being so major. We're, I'm going to pimp you, haha, <laughs> the younger, I might be almost 40, but I'm still younger by a lot. Where do accidents fall on that list? Because that was always the number one cause of death for people under the age of 40, at least 20, but accidents were pretty high up on the list. So it must be down to. I think, you know, once your brain totally develops and you're like 25, there's less accidents. Fewer. Okay, fewer. <laughs> but but overdose and suicide alone in two, 2017, 110, 111,000 deaths. And if you look at the people that were diabetic that died during that same exact time period, only 83,000. And yet look at all the attention diabetes gets. Well, right. And you know, the thing with that is, is there's a lot of conversation out there and about lifestyle modification and Right now, I'm following this thing on LinkedIn, and it's a lot of, like, a mental health thing I follow, like, ridiculously, and I get all these amazing things. But then there's another one that I just started following, and I'm connecting with the, the person on LinkedIn. We've He messaged me, so I will get back to it, I promise. And it really about wellness and how that can really, like, lifestyle things can really change a lot of health factors. Mm. But I think this is where overdose people somehow, again, put that into a totally different category. Yeah. Like they're the less thans people, yes. even though that's a lifestyle modification in a way, but it's also treating all the other mental health things and all the other things. Yeah. And the interesting thing too is that it's more men than women. So if you look at the, you look at the data for both overdose and suicide, it's more often men. Hmm. So I, I think... Mean, it, okay, so... Go ahead. I know. And so like we said, this is going to be a couple part series. It's interesting because we're going to eventually talk about whether this was intentional or not, the yep. overdose and the death from that, and was that overdose suicide or was it an accidental overdose? And with what you just said with men, we all know the difference in men will typically use something violent like a firearm. Um, more women often. will do more poisoning more often. And what that looks like then over the, over the age of 40 because of the telescoping in women. Just... I'm just throwing it out there as a thing to think about. Yeah, you might need to do a podcast on that. <laughs> and one of the things, too. Because I have to look up a uh, morbid subject. Okay. As, I, as I take on the role of keeping us on track. No, but remember I said we're going to make this three podcasts, and you said, no, it'll just be two. It could be. It'll be three. Um, so let's talk a little bit about mental illness and opioid use, because that's really a big issue I mean, 90% of suicide decedents have have had major mental illness. So I think... Like official diagnoses from a healthcare professional. Correct. So it's not like they had undiagnosed suspected mental illness. Like these are actually diagnosed. Correct. With So I would almost see that as like a miss in the healthcare field. Yeah, and it's... In a way, I mean, I can't blame it all, but Yeah, and we do talk about that, and in, in I don't know if that will be in the second or third part of this suicide. The 14th installment, I'm really good at yeah. stalling. Well, I'll talk a little bit about some of the, you know, some of those issues. You know, I think I've gotten better at stalling because I have 
children that are really good at that at bedtime. You're doing a great job. <laughs> I'm trying to keep this morbid topic light. Yeah. And, and you think about the patients that you see with major depression and how often we see those patients. And just when they walk in the door, that's a person that has 20 times the risk of suicide death compared to people without depression. Okay. Well, major depression. So I think this was, I was flipping through some of this for the first time. I never usually flip through your pages ahead of time. My question to that for further clarification is, you know, when you put in the official ICD-10 diagnosis, major depression, you have single episode recurrent, you have in remission and partial remission with psychotic features, with all the different things. And, you know, if it's their single first episode what's the risk versus if it's a recurrent versus, and I'm assuming it goes up with yeah. each subsequent, like. I mean, clearly but, having uh, the diagnosis on your chart and being in active major depression, I'm sure are greatly different. Um, but think about patients like that who frequently will, do they take their medications as prescribed? Do they take them on time? Nobody does. I can't take a vitamin every day. You really should, that. like a Centrum Silver. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I could just remember to take vitamin D every day. And so, you know, I mean, if you've got major depression, you have other mental health issues, are you taking your meds every day? And so, although I think it's probably worse if you're in active depression, I think if you carry that diagnosis just in general, mm -hmm. 20 times the rate. And those are, oh, I'm sorry. I was jumping ahead. Never mind. Sorry. Yeah. You were still talking about I suicidal was. death. I was on the next topic. See, I'm trying to push us along. Well, and you know, if you look at major depression and, and really any other mental condition, um, you know, they're consistently associated with unintentional overdose as well. You know, and again, this whole intent did people, and we talk about intent a lot, um, but I think that... Uh, <laughs> uh, it's the whole thing in our health. Oh, we can say we work for Central Care. We've already said that. And you have to go to that. Our best begins with me training for two days. And there's a whole segment in that on uh, don't assume bad intent, like assume yeah. good intent. And so this is like, and we're going to start this next series podcast on this with the topic of intent. So, yeah. And so again, even if you've got major, de major depression, you could unintentionally overdose, and that's very common. So, so let's just take a look at people on opioids just in general. Any any individual, there are there are certain things that are actually associated with more risk. Oh man, this is like Isn't that interesting. A no brainer. Yeah, high doses, higher risk of accidental overdose. Yeah. Now and again, there are people that would say if somebody's stable on that high dose, then you should just continue them if they're stable. And, and again, I have argued against that many times, and so I loved reading this. Well, and so I want to dive into that a little bit, and it's what does stable mean? Because, yeah, maybe they're not overusing, like they're they're getting their prescription filled at the appropriate amount of time. They're not getting early refills. They're not banging up the streets, so officially they're like officially stable. But are they actually taking them, like, Three today, or are they like, oh, maybe I don't need it today, and then another day they take six. Yeah. So I mean, to me, that that is a higher risk, especially like you said with comorbid mental illness, if they're not always mm -hmm. taking them. Or I mean, yeah. how many times do you have a patient say, well, I just didn't take that second dose, even of Suboxone? Yeah, and I can't remember if we've already done the podcast on 
on opioids in older adults. We did. Did we? Gosh. See where my memory's going? That scent from silver? I've got to start taking that. Yeah, you might not have the silver hair, but your beard is Santa Claus. I shave. Just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, it is not. Um, And and actually, and so if you look at, again, higher doses of opioids are also linked and associated with increased risk of suicide. And the question would be why? Well, uh, I mean, depression. Depression. And Mm -hmm. I mean, how many, and we've talked about that, older patient of mine who was what in his 80s and how when he we started to taper him down to we didn't taper him off we don't always say that but we tapered mm-hmm. him to safer quote-unquote safer levels yeah. how his personality just became more and he became more active and he he actually came less depressed yeah and it, and when you look at patients with opioid use disorder so let's say you have an opioid use disorder and it's untreated your risk is 13 to 14 times increased compared to those not on it of suicide. And it's interesting, and I, I actually have an, uh, stuff coming up in probably our third episode on mm-hmm. opioids and suicide, talking a little bit about... on here. Yeah, am I catching on? <laughs> no, it uh, took you, you know, about, and a half minutes. About w- these medicines for uh, medications used for opioid use disorder, of course, decrease the risk of suicide. And so, again, do you leave somebody on opioids because they're stable... And one argument has been, well, when you taper people off, sometimes their pain's worse and they commit suicide. And we'll talk about that in probably episode two. How do you like how I'm swinging around between two I'm, and three? I'm very, very impressed. Yeah. But uh, that you can even count to three. But the reality is what's worse. And and I do think there's much risk at higher doses because of the accidental overdose. Well, and the other risks like falls and blah, blah, blah. All the other things we talked about in the other older you know, episode one. in the older adults. But and again, though, not even just tapering completely off and do reasonable tapers. You know, we're not trying to torture people. No. The, the question I would have is devil, devil's advocate for patients with OUD with the increased risk of suicide compared to those without is if there was a subset of patients or if they looked at some of the secondary observations, you know, it wasn't one of their planned outcomes in the official study, but was it something they noticed afterwards, whatever they're called? the difference in ACE scores. <laughs> and the reason I ask is because we know that if your ACE score is seven or higher, your risk of suicide attempt is like 1,700 or 1,400 times higher. Yeah, and I did not see anything associated right. And I that. think that would be a really hard study, but that's also a high-risk group for chronic opioids anyway. So anyway, sorry. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, this would have been about two minutes without your sidebars. That's um, a good question, though. Yeah. So... Let's just talk about patients who just have depression. So not opioid use disorder. Let's just, we're starting with depression. We have a patient comes in and they have depression. That patient, right out of the gate, is more likely to be prescribed opioids than a person without depression. Isn't that crazy? Just, I mean, that's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Is it because when you walk, I mean, you've walked into a, primary care office or exam room a million times more than I have. Yeah. Seeing you practiced it for 20 more years than I did. Yeah. See how and, I and threw very, another age thing in there and because ve- and Patrick well. said, throw a curt age jokes. It, it's actually in our instructions. For, first off, Patrick's a little young. I'm not sure we should be listening to I love to him. that. So no, but the reality is, is plus his hair is kind of long. Cause he's a musician. Oh, that's right. That's like the thing. Anyway, you know, you've walked into exam rooms where you can almost feel, feel it. Yes, feel I knew it. You say that. And so, I think if you're 
a good physician, and I think you are too, when you come in the room, it's the it's what you feel. And that's why as much as telemedicine helped us obviously for oh, COVID, but like it's terrible. Walking into a room, like you can like you can feel anything. And I wonder if that feeling has an effect or not effect on providers or prescribers, like because they feel bad for the patient, badly for the patient, or well, and I think the I other the other inter- interesting side of depression is that patients with depression in comparison to people without are also more likely on the highest doses, mm-hmm. and they're more likely to, to report self-report misuse in studies. Right, so people with depression overuse their meds; they're typically prescribed more. And if you recall from another talk that we did, uh, patients who are on the highest dose of opioids are also on what? Benzos. More often. They're on benzos. More See how often. I passed that yeah. on the spot? Didn't know that one was coming. She just snapped See, that. Yeah, I actually know what I'm talking about. But. So again, there's just, these things pile up. It's like a snowball going down the hill. But one thing you love to say, especially to students, how you always, you present it the same way every time. And it's kind of annoying because I've heard it a thousand times and Ugh. it's comical. Because sometimes, you know, I say same same things over and over. Like No, you do to, all the time. No, I know. But when you're doing a, a talk and, and I say something and I do a talk and I say something, it's annoying because you've heard me say it that way. Mm-hmm. But that's the first time they've heard it. It's not annoying. But anyway, you've said it a thousand times. Like, do you know what else opioids are good at treating? Oh, yeah. You know, anxiety. They're good at treating depression. They're good at treating the mental health things as well. People, well, well, people, people think feel they like they do. are, yeah. And it's kind of like patients who use meth. And how many times have you heard that? Like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I've stopped using my meth. And now all these things I have to feel. And interesting, and we'll talk about buprenorphine in one of the following episodes and why it's different. Probably the 10th one. Yeah, we'll why say. it's different than other op- opioid or opioid-like medications with depression. I it's have a guess, super but I'm interesting. not going to say it. Yeah, it's Is it a different receptor? It might be. Yes. Yeah, so... On the flip side, let's flip the other direction. And we're going to just talk about somebody who's just started on opioids. Especially they're started on them and they stay on them for a long time. So beyond the three month to transition into chronic. Correct. Okay. Just those patients. That's an education point. See how I threw that education thing in there, Patrick? Like beyond three months, it's now chronic. Who is this Patrick you speak of? But anyway. Studying for his boards. Oh, that's right. And uh, so these patients, if once they've been on the opioids for a while, they're incre- they have increased risk of new onset depression. So just being on opioids is a risk for depression, and well, of course, then suicide. And it's so. like my one patient I was just talking about. And the other interesting part about this that I think about a ton because, and I can think about somebody I just switched over to to buprenorphine, and they were on all kinds of antidepressants and all kinds of stuff, and. The reality is that they're also very treatment-resistant depressions, typically if they get them from the opioids. And so, you know, it's this it's this cycle you cannot get out of. Mm-mm. And so I think that's something we have to think about in patients when we start them. It just it's makes like, me is so this excited. Gonna be, is this going to be good for them or not? It's like such a mentally invigorating conversation and thought process because it goes back to the neurobiology. And you're, you know I love the neurobiology of addiction. Yeah, I'm tired of you saying that. Mm. Um, Mostly because so, you can't say neurobiology. Yeah, well, so let's talk a little bit about the acute effects of opioids. Because because often when people first start them, um, there's a problem. And one of the problems <laughs> is it tends to early on, before it causes depression, acutely it can cause people, much like other substances, to be impulsive. Right. And if we think about... That disin, disinhibit. 
disinhibited disinhibition <laughs> see can't. can't you can't say big words yeah it's uh, i grew up up north that's when you're not big... inhibited when you are in okay but anyway they're disinhibited. uninhibited i think it's an uninhibited and and that's an issue that we see with a lot of substances and, and often when we talk to medical students or pa students we're talking about uh suicide and alcohol and how that disinhibition is often that's the, the one thing mm-hmm. is that doesn't build tolerance. Yeah. So it's very no, similar. No, it, actually, the thing you don't build tolerance well, to is violence, violence. But the inhibition, the violence and suicide, though, that, that is also like the disinhibition. Yeah. So, so I think that we have to understand that opioids in that way are very similar to the other substances, especially alcohol, as far as that risk of suicide on onset of treatment because of being uninhibited. If they, and so they need to be screened. And we'll talk about this in a episode coming up <laughs> how many I times two. can i say that um <laughs> the next one hopefully next week uh so yeah so i think that that's uh that's really interesting okay i can't like read your handwriting at the end of this next line so go for it well the thing to think about um is that when you look at the lethality that's kind of like a fun word to say it is as awful as lethal it is. um you know, if we think about the lethality uh, of a substance or a, you know, a particular object, like if somebody is considering suicide or attempting suicide, um, suicide is risk, of course, is really a function of whether they have access to a lethal means. So do they have access to a gun? Do they have access to opioids? What do they have access to? And so it's really this availability of opioids that's really analogous to, to having a gun. That's if so they, interesting. Yeah, because if they... You know, think about the patients we've seen who have stockpiled their meds and, you know, whether it's their Xanax or whether it's something else. Um, but in, in in opioid patients, often they will have some backups just in case they're, you know. True. You know, and so we see that. But really, they're lethal. I mean, they they will kill you. And especially, again, if we look at those patients who are on both benzos and, um, and opioids, which is often the depressed patient's. Um, and they're taking the highest doses. So I think in summary, you know, we really need to think about this. When we prescribe opioids, it's about, you know, are we screening them for suicidality? That's a hard one to say, too. That, that was good, though. You, you I just were went very right smooth through right that there. One. Yep. And we need to screen them for depression, and we need to let them know that this could be a side effect. And if these they start to feel these things, they need to talk to somebody. But it's also... Wait, 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 hold on, back up. And we're going to talk about like the screening and the, the clinical exam, the provider part. That's an interesting in the next discussion too. But wait, the whole thing you just said, like when we're prescribing these, we need to like actually talk to the patient. Yeah. I think that should be my like tagline. That's your tagline. Talk to the patient. And I think that, uh, so anyway, I, I think this was a really interesting uh, thing. We're going to follow up with a couple other episodes and... I want to thank Juliet Patterson for that, you know, making me read this book, Sinkhole. It, it kind of made me really think about this whole subject and, uh, and suicidality and the patients that we see. And so I, I, I think it's, uh, it's going to be a couple good episodes. There you go. See, I made this I'm one. saying it's going to be a couple good episodes. Yeah. Okay. So on that topic, of course, thank you for listening, of course, and, you know, any of the podcasty whatever things. We do need to mention now that like we're trying to be more professional here is that this podcast is produced by Casey Devine. Happens to be the son of Kurt. I don't know how he got like so cool with you as his father, but whatever. Um, 
our executive producer, we have mentioned his name a thousand times, Dr. Patrick Beeman. And again, this is part of the Ars Longa Media Network. And you can look that up. You can go to arslonga.media or we're going to start having more show notes and all fancy things. But if you have questions or feedback or comments, I think one of the big things we would love to start incorporating into our podcast is actually listener questions. Ooh. And there's there's this cool thing, and they do it on the, the Glennon Doyle one, you oh, know? Are we Glennon Doyle now? I'm obsessed with her. Again, if Glennon Doyle listens to this, um, I would just fangirl you up and down. But they they have this phone line where you can actually like play the caller in or person's question and there's a way you can do that so if you want to call in we're going to start doing that but if you want to ask questions or blah 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 email us at the addiction connection podcast at gmail and casey's info information casey's music which you will hear obviously when i stop talking is also on spotify on battle legs all right it's been tons of fun heather (laughs) sort of on this topic but yeah all right we'll talk with everyone next week. Thanks for listening. I had a bad day again She said I would not understand She left a note It said I'm sorry I I had a bad day again She spilled a coffee, broke a shoelace Smeared the lipstick on her face Slammed the door and said, I'm sorry, I had a bad day again. And she swears there's nothing wrong. I hear her play that same old song. Puts me up and puts me on. Had a bad day again. She said I would not understand. She left a note and said, I'm sorry, I had a bad day again. I'm sorry, I had a bad day.